Peter, you can't believe everything you read on the internet. Oh, it's all perfectly legal. Oh my God! Okay, it's happening. Everybody, stay calm. Do you ever just get down on your knees and thank God that you know me and have access to my dementia? What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode eight of Busy Playing Something. I am your host for tonight. Vincent Condello, almost said Josh, joined by my co-host, Josh. Josh, how Hello. you going? I'm fantastic. Couple of drinks in. Cheers. 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 Got a, got a Steinful. Yeah, Steinful. That's it. Steinfeld. And, <laughs> Steinfeld, four. Uh, and for everyone where you can find us, we are available on Spreaker, Google Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube. We are also currently trying to get Apple Podcasts going. And then for our podcast services, we are scheduled to be online at 9 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time, YouTube version on 9 p.m. Sunday Australian Eastern Standard Time. And tonight's episode, Josh, is very special to me because it's sponsored, sponsored by you. Busy Playing Something Reacts to Ghost Tsushima, aka State of Josh. State of Josh, our first ever episode of, of State of Josh. This wasn't planned, mind you. Vinny, you didn't know about this. You didn't know that this was... This was happening. It just appeared on YouTube and you're probably like, what the, what the hell is this guy doing? He's going behind my back. Why is he getting up at 6am on a work day to watch a state of play that he could have easily watched in the morning? Nobody would have known, but I got up. That's it. That's you. That's just who, who you are. And this is who we are. And these are our socials. On Twitter, we are busy playing. On Instagram and Facebook, we are busy playing something. And that's it. Josh, that's we who are we eight are. Episodes, that's who you are. Eight episodes in. And we have been wrong this entire time. Yeah, unfortunately, someone took something out of busy playing something. So whoever that person is on Twitter. Yeah, so on Twitter, we're at busy playing. We should change it to busy playing. No, no, we can't. No, no, no. we're busy playing something, all right? We're just going to buy them out when we're millionaires. (laughs) Yeah, exactly, exactly. So at busy playing at this point, and then hopefully someday that someone that has the something will return it. And then it'll be our something. Yeah, that's it. But, but Josh, still busy playing something on Instagram and Facebook. That's that's what's. Yeah, important. yeah, yeah. We are. We are, our pattern is busy playing something. Yeah. Now, Josh, mm-hmm. what are you playing? Are you playing something? Yeah, I am. I'm still playing the same old, you know, things since what it seems like episode one at this point. Still playing Spider Man. Still playing through Final Fantasy VII on hard. Still playing through Metal Gear Solid Three. I did start Transformers Devastation, which is that platinum game uh published by activision that it was i had it sitting there for ages i thought i'd try that up i'm a big transformers fan Vinny. i don't know if i told you this before oh yeah i know but have you told have you told our audience it's up there with the power rangers yeah exactly it's up there with the power rangers uh transformers it's a, a series that i uh don't know how i really fell in love with because i'm you know i was born in 94 so i missed the the original series have watched it, but you know, during when I was a child, that that show wasn't on television. I think it was Transformed Cybertron was the the cartoon series that was on during, you know, when I was young, um, which I didn't really like. I think it was the Michael Bay movies that really got me into it, and then the War and Fall of Cybertron oh, games, great games. Hyman Studios, very uh, underappreciated Activision developer, and then I went back and watched uh, Transformers Prime, which is if not the best Transformers animated show ever. That's the one that was before the Netflix one, yeah? That was the CG kind of yes, one? Yes. Okay, yeah. I've been meaning to watch it, but yeah, so you've been playing the same thing. I've yep. also been playing the same thing. I've been playing Persona 5, going really hard at it again, like smashed out. I think I'm like 40 hours in now and I'm still wow. a third of the way in, I think if that. This game's a 140 plus hour game, Josh. Yeah, remember how I said I was going to go and maybe try Persona? It's not happening. It's too much it's of a commitment. I can't do it. Such a good game. And I'm still winning and losing in League of Legends. That's it. That's my life. I play LOL. I'm in that gold, gold four. You know, I'm a, you know like 15% of players in the world are either gold or above everyone else. The other 85% are in silver or below. I don't even know what that means, Vinny. So it's just, it's a tier list. It's like silver is just like majority of the players are in silver, bronze or iron. Then there's gold, platinum, diamond, master, grandmaster, challenger, professional. 
So I'm in that above, I'm in that top 15%, which makes you feel good. But then you realize like how shit I actually am. And it's just a bad time. Yeah. 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 But what else have you been playing? You've been playing the field a little bit. Can you, can you give us a little insight into the life of uh, I've hung up those boots. So I'm not, I'm no longer playing the field, Josh. I've been tied down. This is something that we just spoke about prior to this. Josh, I have a girlfriend. You know, I've known you for nearly 10 years, I think. Yeah, yeah, pretty close to 10 years. I think we're at the eight-year mark at this point. Yeah. I've been waiting to hear those words for a very long time. Let me for tell you why. For a girl I actually like as well. That, that's the reason. Firstly, a selfish reason. It's very annoying being a person in a relationship around single people. Okay. Because it is great being in a relationship. I wouldn't trade it for the world. But I don't like to hear about other people playing the field and being out there and socializing. <laughs> it's like, you know, if I can't do it, no one else should. So congratulations. Thank you. Tell us, how did this happen? Uh, so it all happened in uh, COVID times. <laughs> you, heavy, is... you heavy breathed. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a good story, I can tell. Like, cool. <laughs> uh, COVID times really changes a person, you know? You really have a chance to really, like you spend your time while you talk to the people you actually want to talk to. And mm-hmm. for me, this was the girl who became my girlfriend. She was a coworker. But I've known her for about a year, almost two years now. And then the talking, I told her I had feelings for her. She said the same. And I went over to her house one day, kind of talked about it and I made a move and that was it. That's good. That's good. Congratulations. Right. Uh, it's, it's a, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm stunned. That's, that's the silence is due to the stunness. I can't believe you pulled this off. A workplace relationship, Vinny. Oh, Big news. So against it. I was always so against it. I'm not the, you don't dip your pen in the company ink, but yeah. it's actually, it's really good. It's good because yeah. you kind of already know them because you're friends first. Yeah. And that's the interesting part. Like you don't have to, there's n- there's not much to discover, but which is some people might think that's bad. I think that's good. And then you're already really comfortable with them from a friendship standpoint of view. And then you're also yeah. just together. So I really like it. Off topic. You mentioned to me we're, during the week. You nearly broke topic. your toe. I oh, know there's a video game podcast, but whatever you mentioned to me during the week, you nearly broke your toe. Is there a story behind this? Is this got it's, anything to do with a new relationship? Not really, but kind of. So <laughs> Why don't I like this girl, Vinny? She sounds no, dangerous. <laughs> she didn't break my toe. <laughs> okay. So we, restrictions were lifted a little bit and we were allowed to have a bit of a gathering. So I went over to a friend's house with my girlfriend and another friend and we we're playing pool. Playing pool, Ooh. billiards, whatever you call it, you know, hitting a ball with another ball into a hole with a stick. All right. That's how you play the game. Yeah. And I was wandering around the room (laughs) and I just picked up a weight. Like Mm. my friend had a dumbbell was there. I just picked it up and I looked at it. I went like this. I just checked the sizing of it, like the weight of it. And the podcast listeners, he's uh, holding the dumbbell in a bicep curl position. That's it. A bicep curl position. And then rotating it left and right while looking at the weight size. And as Mm -hmm, I did it, mm -hmm. the weight slipped off the bar. and landed right on my middle right toe. Mm -hmm. And it was very painful. That's the captain of the toes. No, the big toe is the captain of the toes. This is the middle of the toe. Ah, the middle. Sorry, the middle of the toe. Sorry, I misheard. Yeah, so a little tipsy. (laughs) Me too, man. Were you a couple of steins in at this point? No, we weren't drinking, so it hurt so much more. But I kept a straight face. I didn't cry. That's a big move. Yeah. Just eventually the pain went away, but then it came back after the adrenaline stopped, you know, Mm. after like an hour and it went really black. Did you hit the nail? Was it one of those, like the nails going to fall off type maneuvers or? It was one of those nails are going to fall off type maneuvers, but my neighbor is a podiatrist. So she cut it open for me. I swear to God, you live in a fantasy world. (laughs) Drain the blood. Out of it, oh, and stitched it back up. Well, not stitched it back <laughs> up, but like, yeah, really tightly wrapped it, and it's been like that yeah. for a couple of days. So, all in all, I lost. I almost lost a limb. If you want to over exaggerate, I almost lost my entire leg. But it's well, fine to be now. Fair, Vinny. 
you are in a relationship now. That's so it. you're about to lose another limb. What is that limb? Is that my... I can't say that on the podcast services. <laughs> <laughs> but congratulations. Thank you. And that's, it. that's my life story. Instead mm. of talking about what we're playing, we're talking about what we're doing. What are you doing? Doing nothing, Vinny. I'm doing nothing. I'm still setting up the, the theatre room. I went to Ikea. Uh, new display case is being erected into the theatre room. Great work. <laughs> erected. Um, <laughs> this one is going to be my uh, dedicated favourite games of all time display case. Off the back of episode whatever. So I've, I've uh, got the Nathan Drake statue that was in the last episode behind me and it's no longer there. That is now in the display case. It's a statue from Uncharted 3, which was in my top five. Uh, what else have I got in there at the moment? I've got the Last of Us statue from the launch of the original game. I've got the Last of Us 2 statue coming when, when the new one comes out. So that'll be, you know, the other game from my top five list. Final Fantasy 7 statues are on their way. I've got Cloud, Sephiroth, Sephiroth and Aerith. You know, when I played the original and I'm like, why do they keep calling her Aerith? Who the heck's Aerith? Like, it's, it's not, there's no H. Yeah. Didn't know that. Didn't know that. But those statues are coming. So, yeah, I'm just working my way through setting that up uh, in, in the theatre. But nothing really has been happening on my, my end. So, uh, yeah, we'll just leave it there. Nothing exciting at this point. No, it's just, you know, living the life with the fiancé, shall we say. My fiancé, my fiancé, yeah. <laughs> but something has been going on, Josh. You did mm. a Ghost of Tsushima reacts video i know state of josh state of josh uh that was unplanned i was up at 6 a.m on a thursday night and i was gonna watch it anyway so i thought you know what might as well chuck the camera on and and do a reacts to it so i did watch it uh that's live now on a youtube feed so you can find us at a busy playing something which Vinny spoke about before so yeah please check that out Vinny, did you get the chance to watch it as well I managed to watch your reaction to it. Ah, so that a bit was... of cross pollination of uh, reactions going what on a there. Good term. Yes, cross pollination was a perfect word for it. I've got cross pollination going. I've got erecting. You know, you've got Stein. That's it. We're full of words. We've got big words. Big words and big shoes to fill if we were going to make this podcast work. Exactly, exactly. But yeah, so, the Ghost of Tsushima uh, State of Play released Thursday night, Australian Eastern Standard Time, or Friday morning. So uh, that was on the 14th of May. So getting down to the video video game news, I guess this is a video game podcast or, or something like that. So uh, yeah, watch that. Vinny, you've watched it as well. So we're just going to give a quick thoughts over, over it first. But uh, Vinny, you've obviously heard my thoughts watching that react. So we'll go to you first. What do you think? Well, what, how did you find it? Are you a Sucker Punch fan? Have you played their previous I games? I don't think I've ever really played anything from Sucker Punch, but the way mm. it looked, it looked phenomenal. Like the music looked you really... You Sly Cooper? Oh, yeah. It's, okay, yeah. Sly, Sly Cooper. I forgot about that one. Um, it looked really nice. The art style, like it very... It looked a lot like watercolory in the background. Mm. Very... Yeah. Very, uh, what's it called? Like tame, very nice, simple colors, very pastel. I like that. Yep. The way they, the music, even like little elements that you can see, like the, you can't see the wind, but you see the way the wind affects everything around it. Um, and then the part where they go into a samurai showdown kind of thing and it goes all black and white and the rain. Yeah. Uh, like effect. It looks so good. I don't know if it's my game though. Mm. Just going to put mm. it out there. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't strike me as a, a Vinny game, you know, it's, mm. it's lacking the, the Japanese anime girls. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, it's lacking the waifus. Yeah. But it's Ghost of Tsushima. It's Japanese as it gets. It's about yeah, summarize. Yeah. What did yeah. you think of the game? Ooh, where do I start? So Sucker Punch, obviously a, a PlayStation, I guess, staple at this point, developed the Sly Cooper series on PS2. And then we're brought out by, by Sony, uh, I think, after... Sly 3, I may be wrong there, but they developed the Sly Cooper games on PS2 and then the Infamous series on PS3. Uh, their last game was uh, Infamous uh, Second Son and then the DLC Last Light for PS4. Uh, yeah, I've always been a pretty big fan of, of Sucker Punch and the games that they've done. Infamous is one of my favourite PS3 franchises, uh, especially the first two. 
not so much Second Son. Okay. But I think I thought it looked great. Uh, it, it's a big deviation from what they'd done before. They've always been in the comic book styling, even with Sly Cooper and Infamous, the cutscenes were somewhat, you know, animated and uh, comic book-esque. So this is their, their first stab at a more realistic and adult type game. Really impressed. I mean, the, the open world looks interesting. It reminds me of the, the type of open world game where by the end of it, you're going to be an expert at this island. You're going to know it inside and out. You're going to know all the shortcuts and it's, you're really owning the map. Like you're just going to feel, I feel like by the end of this game, you're just going to be a beast and you're going to be able to go anywhere on the map and know that you're just going to destroy everything. It reminded me a lot of Breath of, Breath of the Wild, to be completely honest. The way that the, the game had that opening panning shot and you saw the, the campfires and the bonfires, you know, and that was really pulling you in. The HUD system um, or the heads-up display or whatever, it was very simplistic. There wasn't a big arrow pointing down, which was one of my biggest, I guess, annoyances with Infamous on the PS4. Like, the game looked beautiful and they recreated Seattle, you know, to a, a great degree and it looked very realistic. But what was odd, it was like the, you know, the mission markers with literally big arrows saying, you know, start mission here. So this game is very realistic and the HUD's very minimal and the wind literally guides you to the mission. So instead of setting an objective marker and following an arrow or whatever, or a mark on a map, the wind would actually guide you to the destination. So I thought that was really cool and reminded me of, again, Zelda Breath of the Wild and, the idea of just coming across a hill and then discovering a shrine is very Zelda-esque. So I think they've taken a lot of inspiration from, uh, like I said, Zelda Breath of the Wild. I think recent Assassin's Creed games, I can kind of get that vibe from this as well. And of course, the Batman Arkham series. So I think there's still a lot to kind of unravel with this game. Uh, We don't know too much of the story. Combat. So with Infamous, you had an option to go good or bad. That was kind of the big selling point of Infamous. This game, they kind of hinted at that where they said you can go in as as a samurai, an honourable samurai, which is theoretically the the good version, and then going in as the ghost, which is the dishonourable, you know, bad version. So people often forget, like, ninjas were always seen to be dishonourable figures in in Japanese culture. It wasn't like being a ninja was a cool thing. It was kind of like a dishonourable thing where the samurai was, you know, god tier. So The honour. Yeah, the honour. So I don't know if they were hinting at an honour system there where you can kind of lean between being good or bad or does it just depend on on the armour set that you're wearing? But there's a lot to unravel with this game. There's a lot of of little details that they hinted at during this state of play that we didn't know about earlier but could hint to something greater. For example, the armour system. It's very, again, Legend of Zelda where each armour piece had a stat that, you know, putting this armor piece on could make you more stealthy as opposed to giving you more strength and vice versa. So all that is fantastic. Did I go too much? Too much? No, 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 no. I think it's fine. I think you hit the nail on the head, like the whole armor system you talk about. And I really like the fact that the wind guides you instead of a massive objective market and gives you the point to, I hate games that babysit you a lot. It's Mm -hmm. really annoying, you know, because back in our day when we were playing games, you had to read the manual. If you didn't read the manual, there was no, there was no tutorial at the start of the game. It was just like, figure it out or read the manual. Mm -hmm. That was it. And I feel like games these days hold your hand a lot. And I like the idea of it not putting a big red arrow saying, go here. Yeah. As opposed to letting something more subtle and free flowing, which is literally the wind. So I really like that. Yeah. And they're putting a lot of detail into, to, you know, what they call it, game storytelling through gameplay. You know, you, the idea of your writing and then a bird will come and you follow that bird and it might lead you to a to a secret zone or a side quest or anything like that. I think that's awesome. Yeah, so, it's awesome. The, yeah. Because there are little things you can miss with ease. Exactly. Yeah. And it doesn't, when you're in it, it doesn't pull you out of it. You know, it's not exactly. like, again, it's not the big arrow pointing down going side quest, you know, come here to do the side quest. It's more of a, a natural discovery and that's something Breath of the Wild did really well. So really excited. And that game's coming out July 17th uh, on, on PS4 exclusively at this point. Well, clearly it's a first party game. So on PS4. Well, Josh, you know what else is an exclusive that comes out in July 17th, 2020? What is that, Vinny? Tell us a little bit more. This is some more news. Excellent segue, by the way. It is... Yeah. New paper mo- is the new 
Super Mario game or Paper Mario game for the Nintendo Switch, and it's called the Origami King. So this one mm-hmm. looks like more of the original Paper Mario, the one that's on 64 and the one that's on GameCube. So these yeah. games were more turn-based RPGs, which is very yeah. different from any kind of Mario besides Super Mario RPG that was on the Super Nintendo. These are the format that was given to the Paper Mario games. So the Wii game was literally Mario Brothers, but with paper. Mm-hmm. And the sticker... Sticker was, star something something. Yeah, sticker star something something. Exactly. Was <laughs> a little bit more of a collectible game kind of thing. Not really yeah. the turn-based factor. It had some turn-based elements, but not really. This one seems to go back to its original... Uh, uh, original, like... Roots. roots. That's the word, Roots. And really talks about how it does it at the same time. <laughs> I've used the words erect and roots in the same podcast. I'm very pleased with myself. Sorry, continue. You got Sorry. some frustration you're, you're building up a little bit or? Uh, possibly, possibly. Who knows? Fiance life. Anyway, continue. <laughs> uh, but Josh, I think it's going to be really good. I think it's at the point now where it's another Mario genre because I feel like we really lost it with the Wii and the fact that it was just another side-scrolling platformer. This is literally mm-hmm. Mario turn-based RPG. They did it with Superstar Stargate. They did it with Partners in Time kind yeah. of thing. An RPG-based Mario game is really good because it's got a character that everyone knows with a franchise that can hold its own and then just a different yep. category of it. Just yeah, Mario's spread, really... Spread thin, man. He's got, he's got sport games. He's got side-scrollers. He's got racing. racing games. He's, yeah, he he's does everywhere. it all. Mario, mm. the Italian, is a perfect man. Put it out. He's a typical Italian. He's a he jack of all trades. Great. He can do everything. You know, you, you got a problem with your plumbing. He's there. Yeah. That's good. And he's always, you know what I like about him? He's very modest, Mario. He's mm. never top tier in his games. He's always the average guy. To be fair, he does say, it's a me, Mario. Yeah. He refers to himself like it's me. Like you should know who I am at this point. So th- there is that. There did is you ever, that. Like, and introduce I introduce yourself as it's me, Josh. It's a me, Josh. I did want to say as well, just to correct myself. Right, I think I may have said Sucker Punch was acquired by Sony after Sly 2. I was supposed to say after Infamous 2. So in 2011, that's when Sony acquired Sucker Punch. Not that anyone cares, but you, for my you're, own... You're the analytical, you're the, you're the numbers guy. OCD. Yeah. You got that stuff. It's just OCD. That's all it is. Yeah. So it's, it's Mario. Put it back on track. It's Mario Origami King. Looks really nice. The trailer is really cool. If you haven't seen it, go check it out. And yeah, but this brings us into other Nintendo news, Josh. Now, for people like me who like competitive gaming and the fighting game community, mm-hmm. you see that uh, the Evo, which is the big fighting tournament of the year, where yeah. everyone travels to Vegas to have a big fighting game tournament, generally over a weekend or over a week. And they just announced that it's going to be strictly online this year. And it's going to take place between July 31st to August 2nd. And there's, only, there's yeah. only going to be nine games at the expo, well, I guess online. And yeah. Smash isn't one of them, which is wow. pretty interesting. Mm. So, yeah, this is. Uh... Wow. I sound like uh, Owen Wilson. Is it Owen Wilson? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. wow. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. So okay. Smash... Did they give any reasons why? Like that, that just seems odd. Like Smash is huge. The reason why is the, the uh, connection is so bad that they couldn't host the tournament. I was going to say, Switch Online is not the greatest. So it I, is I, that's, bad. Yeah, that is actually a very good point. I, I didn't even think of that. But that makes sense then, I guess. If you can't play it, well, then what's the point? Yeah, it's it's unplayable online. Even no matter how good your internet is, because it's peer to peer, there's no base server for it. It's gonna be whoever has the worst internet connection is gonna affect the other person's internet connection, and it yeah. leads to everything being super laggy. Not a good time. So there are currently nine games. It's Street Fighter Champion Edition, Tekken Seven, uh, Grand Blue, Marvel's Capcom, Undernight, Unbirth, Dragon Ball Fighter, Soul Calibur Four. Samurai Showdown, and then there's like a Brony game, what? which is going to be like Mortal an ex- what? No Mortal Kombat. No Mortal Kombat. It's only nine games. No Mortal Kombat. Hundred percent. Yeah, 
I think there are a couple. Of, there are a couple of exhibition games. Yeah. So it might be in there as like an expo kind of thing, but games with really poor online or poor net codes uh, were selected, which is really funny because fight Dragon Ball Z Fighters mm-hmm. or Dragon Ball Fighters is Dragon Ball to have, Fighter Z. Yeah, how you want to say it? Z Z whatever. whatever. It's um, one of the games that has a really bad net code but has a lot of a lot of um viewership and a lot of followers because mm-hmm. the Dragon Ball Z franchise is so good. So that's yeah. getting in there. I don't know how I feel about that. I don't know how it's going to turn out. We'll leave it at that. But yeah, it's pretty interesting. I'm very surprised having... Mortal Kombat's not one of their. That just seems. It seems a bit wrong. Seems wrong. Just straight up wrong. Yes. But yeah, that's. Do you that's watch pretty... Evo? Like I've always, I'm not a fighting game you know fanatic, but Evo is probably you know they, they talk about esports. You know, I'll, I'll probably never watch a League of Legends online whatever tournament. I won't watch a, a Dota. But Evo, I actually do enjoy. Like, I think watching a fighting game, watching someone play a fighting game that is really good at a fighting game is is actually entertaining to watch. Yeah. I'd rather watch that than watch someone play a Call of Duty online match. Like, you know, it's one-on-one. It's very in-depth. And I think the uh, what are they, the narrators, what do they call themselves? The, the shoutcasters. The yeah, shoutcasters. Commentators. They always make it more exciting as well. Like, there's that famous... Famous one. I think it's Street Fighter. One of the Street Fighters where you could parry and it's Chun-Li kind of kicking. And, oh, yeah, and that, yeah, he's on that. one HP and he just blocks everything and parries and then yeah. ends up killing him. Oh, that's insane. I and think that's a... one of the million Street Fighter 3 variants, but I think it's one of those games. Yeah, that that's, to me stands out as one of the video game moments ever. Yeah, that is. Just like Leroy Jenkins is for you know World of Warcraft, yeah. <laughs> that is definitely like one of the biggest things in the fighting game community. And... There are some things for Smash as well, but I can't really name them. There's a guy, Hungrybox, he wins his first, the last time, no, the second last time that Smash Brothers Melee was at Evo, he won it. Mm-hmm. And then another guy, Leffen, won it the other time. So I watch Smash, I watch Street Fighter, I watch Fighters. There's a few things that I watch, but even then, it's good to just chime in and look at it because the games are short and sweet. Exactly. It's, it's not like a League of Legends game where you have to watch 40 minutes and then the intro and then all the analysts yeah. afterwards. It's bad. Like more normally you can get three rounds done, best of five done in about 20 minutes, half an hour. Yep. Yeah, it's good. 100%. It's perfect. But yeah, Josh, that's uh, it for news on my end. You got anything we want to talk about? Little, uh, little grub happy? Little grub hub? Yeah, yeah exactly. PlayStation news, who would have, who would have thought? So... Uh... There has been rumors, obviously, Microsoft have got their inside Xbox event that they're running each and every month. We spoke about that on, on last week's episode, but there was rumors uh, that Sony was going to be holding an event in June 4th. So a bit of information that I've taken uh, from, I think, gamesradar.com. So a well-known industry insider, uh, Grub has accurately predicted the dates of upcoming events in the past, such as the mini Nintendo Direct in March. Grub believes that the upcoming event will focus on the roster of next-gen games coming to consoles, but says uh, that there won't be any first-party titles shown. So, similar to what Mark, well, seemingly similar to what Microsoft's strategy is to show third-party games uh, in an event. You know, as much as this is a rumor, we're getting to the point now where Sony is going to have to show something. So, if it is in June, if it is in late May, if it's in July at the absolute latest, we're we're at the point now where. I could come. I could come out and say Sony's <laughs> going to be holding an event in June, and then someone will source me somewhere. So I think it's, you know, it's bound to happen at this point. What 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 do they need to show? What does Sony need to show to impress you with the PS Five? A new first party title, or something that can really carry the console. Okay, that's what something. Like, but like they said, it's not going to be first party, but new, a new IP. Sorry, that's probably the better term. Yeah, Grub saying they won't be for there won't be first party titles. Again, this is just a rumor. We don't know if this is the case. He may be wrong, right? It's just a it's just a a rumor at this point. But you're saying they need to show a a first party worldwide studios game. Probably not first party. That was the correct term. But a new IP that is really gonna you know carry the console on release as well. Because I feel like the last two consoles, you know, the Xbox One and the PS4, on release they were really weak. You know, they had, they had Knack, they had 
uh, Call of Duty, they're the EA games. They really need something that can carry the console to make it sell well at launch. And compete with Halo, right? Yeah, because Halo Infinite, yes, yeah. Halo Infinite is coming out at launch. Granted, it's also yeah. going to be on the Xbox One, but it's also going to be on the Xbox Series X. So, and that's how they'll be selling it as well. Exactly. So they need something really popular or something that will they think is going to be really popular or is really going to captivate people and make them want to buy the console for this thing. And a new IP, or at least maybe something old, a little bit nostalgic, maybe. Mm-hmm. Who knows? And that's the thing, right? According to his rumor, he's saying that there won't be any first-party titles there. That does not mean that there won't be any exclusive games. You know, games like Bloodborne is not a first-party game, but is an exclusive to the PS4. So this may mean that Sony may be focusing on those second and third-party relationships and then those exclusive titles. I think, from my point of view, what Sony need to do to then position themselves ahead of Microsoft, you know, again, I don't really care who who has the best showing, uh, but... If I was Sony, I would think, okay, we know we need to show gameplay because that was the big sticking point from Microsoft's event. And I think they need to show AAA games. We spoke about on last week's episode that Microsoft's event was very mid-tier, AA, high-end indie type games. They really need to show gameplay on a high-end AAA exclusive. I think they need to show. I think they need to show the console. Oh yeah, that that would be, that would be good. <laughs> Yeah, I think show the console will be first off show the console. Yes, yeah, second have all, to. show something that is going to be that they yeah like you said something that is may not be a new may not be a triple A oh sorry an exclusive but be a triple A title or may not be a triple yep. A title but be a new IP that's very captivating or triple mm-hmm. A triple A that's an exclusive that is a new IP you know hit hit all the hit all the marks but yeah it's and that's the, the first thing. it's the first press conference you got to blow it out kind of really aim high. I just don't want either of these people to have a bad showing. I want it to be good for both parties. So it's competitive. You don't want someone to, you don't want someone to dominate dominate and then someone to bomb. You want it to be competitive. Like both generally you want it to both be high tier, but if you want it to be mid or high, you know, you don't want it to be low tier. You want it to be mid to high tier with everything. And that's, and that's the thing. People need to take what has been announced from both parties with a bit of context as to what world we are living in today. You know, the, the Mark Cerny GDC talk that went live on YouTube has been disliked the dislike to like ratio, as much as that's not really telling of the console sales or anything that, that there was a heavy dislike ratio on that video. People need to keep in mind that was planned for GDC. GDC is the game developers conference that that talk was focused for them. The issue, again, was expectations. Sony marketed that as kind of like, you know, we're here to talk about the PS5, similar to what Microsoft did. Do you agree on that? Well, yeah. And of course, of course, you would know that it's been for GDC and not you being like the puppet master behind researching and knowing everything. But yeah, Yeah. that's that's pretty much it. I guess that's all we have to cover with that one. Well... Sorry, before we move on, oh, sorry, I'm not going to keep no, going no, on go, it. But go, yeah, go, I just go, feel I'm, I'm going on a rabbit down a rabbit hole. Is that the right term? I'm yeah, not you're really not going on a rabbit hole. You're going down yeah. it. But that was the thing. We've got to take all that with a grain of salt and a bit of context, right? I'm sure Microsoft yes. wouldn't have been holding these inside Xbox events each and every month. They probably would have had one event where they had those games sprinkled in with first party games and you know the consoles price during E3. So. People were, you know, jumping on Microsoft saying this isn't gameplay. You know, this was kind of underwhelming, but we need to keep in mind this was probably organized at the last minute because of COVID-19 and what what happened with E3. So with Sony, they held their corporate strategy meeting, I think, uh, during this week. And they're, you know, Sony's president and CEO, let's see if I can pronounce this correctly, because, you know, I'm not good with Japanese. (laughs) Kenichiro Yoshida. uh, And this is a tweet, sorry, not a tweet, a, a quote directly taken from him. Games for the PS5 that deliver this uh, this new game experience are being made for, from both first and third party developers, and we plan to introduce a compelling lineup of titles soon. So the other rumor that connects in with this this grub uh, gentleman is that Sony would be holding two events: one in June, which would be more third party relationships, and then a July event, which would be more 
here's the console, here's what our first party games are doing. So very similar to what Microsoft's doing in a holding one event, but we don't know. So I think what Sony needs to do if they want to kind of come out and, and come in, come out smacking is like what I said, need to show heavy hitting, show what next gen is. Um, I think the Epic Unreal Engine 5 reveal did a lot to, to boost the PS5. They, they, you know, when you hear these tweets and you read information about which console's better, Microsoft clearly from a, from a hardware perspective is building a stronger, you know, the amount of flops is, is, is it's got a strong foundation. It's got a strong foundation. But what we're also hearing is that Sony have got what, what they're calling the secret source, which is seemingly this SSD and what developers are being able to do with this SSD. So again, maybe promote that, but we'll just have to wait and see at this point, it's got to be in June or July. You know, we're not, we, it has to, it's coming out this year. So again, having a rumor that it's coming out and you know, they've got an event in June. You could have predicted that. I could have predicted that it doesn't really mean much, but hopefully it's true. I can predict Josh that before mm-hmm. the console is launched, we will see an image of the console. What do you want it to look like? Because I mean, Xbox is, uh, their console is completely different to yeah, it's like a their tower. iteration. Yeah, it's a PC. So what would you want the PS5 to look like? Mm. Obviously not like those, uh, you know, those developer consoles that are being leaked, the big V grill in it. What, what would you <laughs> yeah. want it to look like? I don't know. I don't really care what it looks like as long as it performs well. I want it to be black though. That's kind of thing. I want it to be black or, or graphite, uh, gray gunmetal color. I don't like white consoles. It's going to be white. It's going to be white. You don't have a white controller and a black console. It's going to be white with black outlines or black accents. Yeah. It's white. Sorry, Vinny. I know, but they'll eventually release, like how they release a white PS4, they'll release a black PS5. Oh, yeah. You know, the same it's, thing. It's bound to happen. Yeah, they'll have, they'll have a black one. It just give us a controller where the, the, you know, the sacred symbols are colored. Yes. That was shocking. I, I was really surprised that they did that. I don't know one else in the world cares that, you know, the, the X button isn't blue, but I did. So there's that. It's, it's nostalgic. It's too set in stone for it not to be. Mm. But they exactly. want to, it's more of a modern look now. But exactly. speaking of modern looks in modern times, Josh, we're going into our next, our next subject. This yeah. is the big thing. This is why we mm. wanted this episode. This is episode eight. Busy playing something. We are talking about physical or digital. Physical. Well, this is a digital podcast. This is a digital podcast. And given other times, it could have been a physical podcast. So I guess you could say digital is the future. I would agree with you that digital is a future, but is it the future for everyone? Yeah. So let, let's, let's talk about that. So the conversation is going to be around physical media, digital media, physical games versus digital games. So let's talk about Vinny first. What, what's your, you know, without going into it, without reading the, the quotes and the statistics, where do you stand on the physical versus digital game debacle? Specifically on the physical and digital game, I prefer physical. Mm-hmm. I'm a collector, just what I like to do. I collect the games that I really like and then I buy the games because I enjoy having a physical copy and looking at it and knowing I spent, you know, this much money and if my, something happens to my console, my game is not lost. Or mm-hmm. if something happens to my account, my game is not lost. Yep. That is how I feel. With digital media on the other hand you know if we're talking music movies tv shows i'm all for digital because it's something I why can do watch you think that is why are you happy to to it's like i'm interviewing you here but why are you happy to have a physical game on your shelf but you're not happy to have a you know, cd or whatever it is why do you feel like you, your games need to be physical and where your music doesn't need to be I think because the the way i listen to it and the way I view things it's it can vary between on the go and at home that's a good whereas, point yep. whereas playing a game I'll generally play it on the console and the console is generally at home yeah. so it's one thing is like it's not it's not any easier for me to play the game where it's easier for me to play the movie or stream the song you know things yeah. like that no, no, that's 100% a fair point. You're, you're a big advent, you know, for the Switch. Do you use the Switch as a handheld or you primarily use it as a console? I use it more as a handheld than a console. In, an, in or out of the house? Like, are you oh, using just, it as a handheld around the house or? 
in COVID times, can we really go out of the house? You know what I mean? Just in general. Just yeah, okay. in general. In general, I use it more when I'm lying in bed and my switch is actually back there. For anyone who can't see, it's behind me. And then my mm-hmm. bed is obviously not behind me. So it's in my room. So I'll uh, uh, when I play switch, I play undocked, handheld in my room. Yeah. And the reason why I ask is I was interested to see if you use your switch out of the house, would you use that as a digital console and buy the games or digital? Because, you know, if you're a person that's um, using public transport a lot and, and traveling, I could see you using the switch as a, as a, a platform where you're downloading all your games as opposed to switching them in and out. Yeah, that's 100%. why I asked. But if you, if you're in the house it's not really much of a difference to, you know, stand up, walk, three meters, grab a game and put it in. So that's a good point. Yeah. Convenience has a massive, I think convenience and accessibility have changed the way that, you know, games are becoming more, I guess, majority of what is it now? Sony reported that 53% 53 of all games sold from July 30th are digital. Correct. Mm -hmm. So there is, there's a switch now it's become a switch pun intended. Um, there's a switch from physical being the majority to now digital being a majority. And with this whole COVID era and everyone being isolated and unable to go to the shops, unable to physically purchase something without getting it delivered to them, online it's just really taken over. Yeah. Okay. No, but I think that's, that's a fair point. What's your opinion on it? What do you prefer, physical or I'm digital? Not, I'm not very opinionated. You know that. Um, <laughs> No, you are. No, I I agree 100%. So, and I never actually thought of it the way that you explained it, but I'm the same thing with music. It's all Spotify. It's all streamed. It's all digital. And it's it's exactly what you said. You know, I use music on the go, so I don't need people to see it. But I play games in the house. So I want physical things in my house to represent that. The same reason why I buy statues. Well, I don't need to. Just because I have a Ratchet and Clank statue behind me does not mean I'm a you know more hardcore Ratchet and Clank fan than you are. But it's more like I just like having that representation in my house. It's like having a book. You know, you know, on the sign you know, on Seinfeld, Jerry asked George, "Why do you need to you know put the book on the shelf? Why it's not a trophy? You don't you don't need to have this thing. Why do people want to do it? But it's it's true. People just like having a stack of games in a, in a bookcase to show how much they play games and how much of a gamer they are. I don't do that for that reason. I do it because again, like you, I, it, uh, even if I was to buy music as opposed to streaming it, what's a song? A couple dollars? Yeah. Whatever. You're buying a game here in Australia where games are quite expensive. You're looking anywhere between 70 to $80 just for a, you know, for a new released game. It's, it's a big chunk of change to, to spend on something you're not physically holding in your hand. So we are very old school uh, here still in Australia where I think physical games will still be the the way people would buy. You know, this is a a global number or an American number or whatever it may be. But in Australia, I still feel physical games are where it's at, but it's at some point we're going to move into the realm where digital games are outselling, outselling physical. The biggest issue we have here in Australia is the, the price of digital games generally outweigh what a physical game would be. For example, Final Fantasy VII at launch was $99 Australian on PlayStation Store. And I got the game for $69. Why do you think, and this is just, you might, you know, you might not be able to answer this, but what's your thoughts on why is a digital game costing us more to buy than a physical game? I mean, you know, there's no store, there's no, you're not producing a disc, you're not paying for manufacturing or, or, you know, delivering these games, you're not paying for the, the person at JB to sell it. Why is it more expensive to buy this thing online? And it comes down to nothing other than it's universal pricing. That's, you know, whereas, I mean, they have, they control the market on digital. You can't buy a game from anywhere else other than the PlayStation store for that specific game yeah. or the Nintendo eShop or Xbox, you know, online for that stuff. You can tell I don't have an Xbox. <laughs> and you, whereas on the physical market, you can buy something from, we have, you know, EB games or GameStop. You have our, you know, JB hi fis You have the standard like Tajes, the Kmarts, the even oh, Meyer at that point. Yeah. You could buy it from so many places. And that, that competition 
even online, eBay stores, stuff like that, the physical copy themselves, you can buy them cheaper because they're trying to compete with each other. And then if mm-hmm. not, you can always price match what the other person is doing. Whereas, you know, all right, cool. You know, you don't want to get out of the house. You don't want to do, you don't want to shop around. You can get by it here for this price, but that's all you're getting. Yeah. So my thoughts behind it, you know me, I probably did way too much investigation. Inspire away, go. It's got to do with a couple of things. I don't think it's got to do with the, the digital market and this is the only place to buy it. So therefore we can sell it for more because at the end of the day, it's more efficient and Sony would make more money selling games digitally because they don't need to pay for the discs, yada, 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 yada. I think the issue is that Sony is still reliant on these retailers to sell the console. So if they come out and say, all right, this game's launching in Australia for $70 physical, but we're going to sell it for $50 on the PlayStation store. All of a sudden the retailers are going to go, all right, fine. We're not selling your console. Yeah. So there's no digital way to really buy consoles in Australia or in most parts of the world. We're not living in a, a world where, you know, Amazon's huge in the States, but in Australia, it, it isn't. Physical stores and retailers are still very, very, very large and play a big part in, in the market. So Sony, as much as they would benefit, or you know, all developers, all console makers would benefit you buying a game digitally, digitally, they need retailers to still sell these consoles so they can't completely cut them out. In saying that, we are seeing a transition. I remember reading a few years ago. So this this article that, that said that 53% of all games were, were sold digitally, that was July 30th in uh, 2019. So that was in July 2019. So that was when the PS4 hit 100 million units and they kind of revealed some information there. Clearly at this point, we're at 110 million units and we're probably pushing even more into a digital world, especially with COVID-19 and people aren't able to go to stores and buy games like they used to. So we are going to see that kind of push more towards digital because of the world we're living in. But I think because of this, people who have started now to buy games digitally will probably just say, well, you know what, this is easier. Maybe I will just stick to it. But in Australia in particular, it's the price that, that kills me buying digitally as well. You know, if, if I could get a game, like a big game like, Last of Us, I'd probably want physical, but if there was a game that came out like Dark Side of Genesis where I'm like, oh, I don't really care if I, I have this physically on my shelf as opposed to downloading it. If that came out and was, you know, $30 cheaper online, I'd probably would buy it online, right? I'm sure there's games like that that you would do the same thing. Yeah, and it, it makes perfect sense to do that in itself. But I think it comes down to, you made a good point where it's something that you would, a big game, but it's a game that really... You know, it was a game that was its predecessor was in your top five. So it's something that's mm-hmm. sentimental to you. And therefore you kind of want to have a physical representation of it. Whereas if, yeah. the game, if it's a game that doesn't mean that much to you, you're happy to have it digital because you kind of don't really, you care about it less. Like once it plays, once you've played and you've done it and you've finished won't it, play it again, you'll, you'll be done with it. And especially if you can buy it for, you know, cheap, a lot cheaper. Yeah, exactly. What are your thoughts on, you know, Microsoft revealed some information about Game Pass um, hitting 10 million subscribers. So that console's, we don't know what the, the sales of that console is, but we're estimating they're anywhere between 55 to 65 million units sold. So 10 million is a pretty big number. What are your thoughts on Microsoft's push for Game Pass and digital games? Well, I know it's also extended to there's Game Pass for PC as well, which is also really good. Of course. Yep. So I know a couple of friends who played who have bought Game Pass to download, you know, Gears 5, Streets of Rage, stuff like that. And they're playing, you know, games they wouldn't normally play because right now they're a dollar. Even the Hollow Knight yeah. was on Game Pass for, oh no, Hollow Knight. Um, God, what was it? I'm wrecking my brain. Ori, Ori of the Will, Will of the Wisps. Yeah. That was on Game Pass for a dollar on release. So people would be like, oh cool, I'll just buy this and play this instead of getting a physical they can't get a physical copy of that game, but they'll get a digital copy anywhere for much more expensive. So that's where the convenience of having Game Pass and we're having, a, I guess, an abundance of games with one or two gems thrown in for the month. I agree. And that was the, the big problem with 
digital games, right? So again, we spoke about price and how expensive they are to buy here in, in Australia, but also that kind of ties directly into streaming. Okay. So there's obviously a difference between buying a game digitally. I can't say the word digitally. Digitally. Buying the game online versus buying it in <laughs> store. And then the difference between buying that game online versus streaming that game. So we're seeing, as we're seeing games being purchased more online, we're also seeing the introduction to these Netflix type services. So Game Pass being very interesting in the fact that it is a, a monthly subscription that you pay, but you're able to physically, well not physically, but you're able to download those games on your console. So you're no longer streaming them, which then removes any of the issues that lag and all that brings in. PlayStation Now, which is a service we don't even have here in Australia, it, they've just touted that they've hit 2.2 million subscribers. So I compared 2.2 million on a console that sold 110 million units versus 10 million on a console that's potentially sold 60. Microsoft are clearly ahead with what they're doing with games, uh, Game Pass. Yeah, you know, I think that being, you know, a monthly service that you get charged a little bit, like they're making a lot of money off that and they're giving out the goods for it too because it's not just, Games Pass has not just one game. Every exclusive coming. Yeah. Will be released day and day. Game Pass, Halo Infinite will be free if you have Game Pass. And that's just, that's just insane. Sony will never, you know, I've been a Sony fan and been following PlayStation for a very, very long time and probably know way too much for no reason, I can guarantee you there is no world we are living in <laughs> where Spider-Man 2, God of War 2, Horizon 2 will be coming day and date with PlayStation Now at no additional cost. Not going to happen. No yeah, way. No way. No way. And that PlayStation Studios news that we spoke about last week further cements their, their stance on their first-party games, that they are you know, a premier studio developed premier games and you will pay for these games because these games are expensive to make and are worth your money. Not to say Microsoft games aren't, but as Microsoft's still trying to really build up a first-party portfolio, a lot of these games aren't, you know, high-end AAA masterpieces. You know, Gears 5 was a really great game and Halo looks like it's going to be a really great game, but games like Crackdown 3, State yeah. of Decay, you know, they're not... They're not Last of Us. They're not God of War. And they don't need to be, but I'm just saying like, that's probably why Microsoft could afford to do what they're doing because these games aren't, I guess, in the eyes of the public seen as big heavy hitters uh, in, in the market. It's, it's funny. Like only three I say it's because I was thinking heavy hitters and then you said it. So it's just that mind melding we were going on. But oh, yeah. Yeah. even through the, the internet, we can still do it. Even, even through the interwebs. But yeah, here's the thing, Josh. We got, we've talked about things that like, we can physically keep. And then what if they do stuff to the game where, you know, they take it off the service or they do stuff like that. So for example, you know, PT, you know, there was a demo that came out uh, from Gamescom of 2014 and yeah. it was a random horror game came out in August and obviously it never, the game never got made and people have that game still on their consoles, but you can't get it anymore. And if they yeah. get rid of that console, if they, if their console messes up, they can't re-download it because it's full taken off. Yeah. You know, I had that issue happen. Oh, really? You had PT? Yep. I had PT downloaded. Um, and then I had to reset my PS4 for whatever reason and I lost it. So that's another thing, right? That we didn't even touch on game preservation. Yeah. You know, preservation. Yeah. With the older consoles, fortunately they could be, they, well, they are, they're emulated on most PCs at this point. I think I've got an emulator that runs most Super Nintendo and Sega games. So it, those that's a great side of digital where these physical meters medias are aging and the cartridges are now, you know, over time, these cartridges aren't built to live last forever. So that's a positive of digital where these games could be emulated and kept stored somewhere online and they, they'll live forever. But where we can also see things like PT, which Vinny spoke about games could be taken off stores due to, you know, uh, publishing rights or, you know, they don't have the rights to the music or whatever that may be. Yeah. So you said yourself, you know, uh, was it GTA four removed yep. some songs in 2018 games are completely like, I guess eradicated from the online stores is a good way of putting it. 
It should be gone. So it's Marvel Ultimate Alliance one and two to name, you know, a couple. And that's because they're once their licensing agreement ends, they can't physically they can't have that anymore. The only way you can get that game is if you have a physical copy now. Yeah. And what's and gonna happen secondhand? EA, yeah, what happens if Star Wars is no longer with EA in ten years or whatever it is? Like you're not gonna be able to buy Fallen uh, you know, Battlefront and Jedi Fallen Order online if if EA don't have the publishing rights to Star Wars games anymore. You know, I actually spoke about it at the start of the show. I was playing Transformers Devastation. That's another game that was taken. So that was a platinum-developed Activision-published game, and Activision don't have the rights to Transformers anymore to publish it. So that, that's just another example. Those games you can't find online anymore. So that, that's something that's, you know, to be kept in the back of your mind as well when you're thinking physical versus digital. But again, we, we touched on all that. We've spoken about our thoughts. I feel like at the end of the day, digital will be the future one way or another, but physical games will always exist. It'll be like going to the movies. It's yeah. not, you know, a lot of people don't go anymore, but cinemas are still around. There's still going to be the option to go and buy that game physically. And I guess I'll be one of those people who, if it's a game I really like, I'll nine out of 10 times buy it physically. Me too. Yeah. All right, Josh. Is that all you wanted to cover for this, this whole physical digital? We, we both agree that physical is the way we want to go, but digital is the future. I agree. I agree. Let's move on. Now let's move on to busy playing something. Did you like it? So busy playing something is the namesake of our show where Vinny or I bring either a game, TV show, movie or podcast to the virtual table. The other host has two weeks to consume this media and discuss it on the following week's episode. So two weeks ago, Vinny, I gave you, or I, I requested you press play on a podcast that I watch. So that's the Sacred Symbols podcast. It's a PlayStation podcast released each and every week, uh, hosted by Colin Moriarty and... Oof, I'm blanking out on the other guy now. I have the no other idea who the other guy Chris is. Chris Raygun. Chris Raygun, sorry. I was listening to his, you know, anyway, it doesn't matter. Chris Raygun's the other guy and that's a PlayStation podcast. Colin Moriarty, obviously, uh, was an IGN PlayStation member. You know, he was probably the PlayStation guy in IGN. He broke off with Greg Miller, did kind of funny, and then they broke, went their separate ways, and then he started his own thing, uh, Colin's Last Stand. So I asked uh, Vinny to, to listen in on one of their episodes. Vinny, what, what were your thoughts? I can see why you like it. So it, um, it's, it's very analytical, which is what you're talking about. It has, goes through like the, the numbers, the nooks and crannies of it all. But it's also, they're very captivating what they talk about. It's kind of stuff I want us to be. It's a good, I guess, benchmark of how, not even benchmark, but a goal to achieve to how we... Yeah, something to strive for. Yeah. Strive. 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 Because like drive... And then you gotta have a drive to go something, and then you strive for it. Ah, right. Yeah, yeah. Have you ever, have you ever yearned for something? Have I ever yearned? Have you ever yearned? I've, I've craved. No. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Seinfeld so reference, and they're actually huge Seinfeld fans. If you actually listen, they actually reference Seinfeld nearly every every episode as well. So well, maybe they are. Well, yeah. So yeah. Well, I want to be just like you when I grow up. <laughs> but uh, yeah. So. Very analytical, uh, very long episodes as well. I think they're usually about an hour and a half to two hours. Yeah, they're, they're long. They're about, yeah, between, I'm looking at the track list now, they're like two to three hours. The latest one was three hours, which I didn't listen to. That was the one that came out on May 18th. Just for a little plug, you know, plug Sacred Simples, a PlayStation podcast, episode 98, and Apparition No More came out May 18th on Spotify. Just letting you know, just putting it out there for the other people who want some more gaming but don't forget your roots. You came, you came here first. Yeah, you came here first, exactly. No, I, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Oh, I hope it kind of gave you some context to the way... I, like you said, st- I want to... St- is it strive? I've already forgotten strive. what I was talking about. It's really bad that we're doing a podcast and I'm really bad with talking. So, <laughs> um, yeah, they are... Well, he, Colin Moriarty in particular has always been someone that I looked up to in the industry. At his time at IGN, same thing with Kind of Funny... Him and Greg were the PlayStation guys and knew the hardware and knew Sony inside and out. And they were, it was odd. I was quite young when I started listening to them. Not really young, but I've been listening to their voices for nearly 10 years. I think I started before the PlayStation 3 hacking in 2011. Like I think I was about 2010. So it's, it's been 10 years listening to these guys and 
I think what really drove Josh, me Josh was in, 15. Exactly. I've been doing, I've been listening to PlayStation stuff for way too long. Like <laughs> not only just playing PlayStation and, and being in that ecosystem, I was listening and reading and researching all this stuff at a young age for no reason. No one cared that I knew who Shuhei Yoshida was. <laughs> no one cared that, you know, I listened to a two hour, you know, interview with Jack Troughton. Uh, nobody cares, but I... You care, and that's what matters. The matters you care about what you want to talk about. And, and not to take away, because this is your segment to talk about your thoughts, but I just wanted to say this. I grew up with a friend group that wasn't gamers. So I took it upon myself to know everything or try to know everything for when a question would be asked. Sometimes people would ask, like, what is happening with, why is the PlayStation store down in 2011? And as you can see, as I posted, I was <laughs> Facebooking daily, updating everybody what was happening. But I was, I was that person and I, want, I really owned it and I was happy to own it. Like I, I was a, a chubby, you know, little Italian Maltese kid, but I was very fortunate to have a really good friend group who were not the popular kids, but were popular in the school. So that gave me the opportunity to, to really be that, nerdy guy without being ridiculed for it okay. so i did all that and that led led me to here but yeah i just thought that was interesting how because i was craving that conversation about games because i had no one to really talk to about it these guys came in and were very knowledgeable and i'm like oh she's like oh, what am i missing out on i need to learn and be as good as these guys and yeah they got me here that's kind of sad to think about. But, Fast forward ten years, here we are. You're engaged to be married. You're in your own house. I'm doing a podcast. And so you're doing a there podcast. You go. The most most important thing, Josh, is that you're doing a podcast out of all that. Exactly. And exactly. I and I see from listening to it, I could see exactly where you're coming from with the whole Colin Moriarty. You really liking him because he's very analytical. He's very data centric. He talks about the numbers, the specifics. And the episode that I listened to was the latest episode where he spoke about not the latest episode when they came out obviously last week where he talks about the next gen information and the, um, the Xbox event. And yep. it's funny cause we kind of shared very similar opinions about it all. How we kind of said, you know, it wasn't a game demo where it was just trailers in game trailers and spoke yep. about stuff like that. And it was cool to know that we, as new to this podcast, kind of not really were like veterans, but not because yeah, we're like amateurs that retired early and then came back to do it again. Yeah. So yeah. we still, we still got all this experience to come to, but it's good the way that they speak about it. No. And the way that we talk about it really shows that we're on the right track. And it's a, you almost sent me on like a bit of a, bit of a class trip digitally. You sent me on like the, the, uh, what's it called the digital magic school bus for a learning lesson. Yeah. Yeah. That's really what it is. So, it was weird just talking about it then and hearing you talk about how important they were in me. Like it's weird. It is completely weird. Like again, not to take away from what you. Yeah. Well, not just that. They're like, I, I forget they're huge PlayStation fans like Greg and Colin. They were huge Seinfeld fans. Like there is a lot of coincidences in there. Yeah. That maybe I, as a child or as a you know young teenager, picked up on and that I kind of picked that up and then ran with it. Yeah. But we both know that you've been Seinfeld fans before you listened to these guys. You were oh, a PlayStation yeah, fan. Been, like the yeah. reason you listened to these guys is because you were a PlayStation, PlayStation fan. And I think it's the kind of idea when you make a new friend, you kind of really like you see similarities and you make connection. And that's yeah. kind of the thing that you had here. You saw that these guys were PlayStation fans you notice they reference Seinfeld and they have that kind of same humor and you, you were felt a, not a connection, but you felt really, this is something I'm really interested in because they're interested in the same things that I'm interested in. And I've got nobody to talk to about Seinfeld and PlayStation. So yeah, exactly. At the time I didn't, none of my friends watched Seinfeld. Like who, who watches Seinfeld when you're 15 years old and the show finished before the year 2000, like, yeah, it was very before my time. It's very, it's actually quite rare to speak to people my age that have watched Seinfeld. Seinfeld, really? You said we, Seinfeld. I did Seinfeld. It's the Stein, the Stein that we spoke about this morning. But it is, it is actually very odd to find Seinfeld fans in my age bracket. You're a few years older than me, not by much, but you know, 
All my friends don't watch it. The people I talk to at work don't really watch it except the older, the older guys. So again, I think it was just, I was a huge Seinfeld fan, PlayStation guy. And I was like, I, I can't have this conversation that I want to have. I want to talk about when a game comes out and you know, what's everyone's thoughts on it and, and all that. And I couldn't do that. I had no one to talk to about it. We, we didn't know each other back in, in those times. So they were kind of the outlet to have that conversation without actually talking. That makes sense. Yeah. And I guess for me, when I have my group of friends is, we were not really the nerds, but we were kind of the in-betweeners where we had, sorry, <laughs> uh, where we were just a little bit, you know, not popular, but not unpopular. So, but we were just all gamers. Like all my friends are gamers from high school. I'm still talking to them now. I speak to them almost every day on Discord just to have a chat. And I have to admit a lot of their opinions are, it's good or it's bad. They don't give any explanation. Yeah. They're just like, it sucks. It's bad. I don't want to play it. Or why don't I buy this game? Yeah, and it's very internet focused. I really like this podcast because it was a bit of a more in-depth and analytical explanation as to why it was good or why it was bad. And there are those YouTube videos where you kind of watch, you know, they give their good and bad opinions. And it's it's a discussion. It's not just a flat out one-sided debate where it's like, it's bad, move on, don't play it. Yeah, I was like, I want to know why. I want to know why it's good, why it's bad. If they, if what they say is good reflects what I think is good, if what they say is bad reflects what I think is bad. Yeah. And this, granted how long they are, these Sacred Bulls podcasts, I won't listen to, you know, them all the time. I'm going to probably, I'll try and keep up to date with them. And, you know, they come out once a week, so I'll probably do that. Mm-hmm. But it's not like I'm going to go back in through the backlog of, you know, the 98 episodes and... yeah. Listen to them. Yeah. I was just going to say, I don't, something's telling me we're not posting this podcast at 9 p.m. tonight because it's, it's hit 9 p.m. now and we're still recording. So <laughs> maybe we should wrap this one up. What do you think? Yeah, I think so too. So I reckon your, uh, your podcast or your busy playing something was a success. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's it. That's all good. That, that's the entire episode. I'd like to thank me for hosting, apparently. <laughs> And yeah. Josh, I'd like to thank you for being my special guest slash co-host. And for, for everyone else, we are busy playing something. You can find us on Spreaker, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and currently Apple Podcasts, but not yet. We're also YouTube and Spotify releasing on, well, I guess YouTube. YouTube we're releasing at 9 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time on Sunday. And then our socials are Twitter at Busy Playing and then Instagram and Facebook at Busy Playing Something. I guess till next time. Been a pleasure. Peter, you can't believe everything you read on the internet. Oh, it's all perfectly legal. Oh my God, okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. Do you ever just get down on your knees and thank God that you know me and have access to my dimension?